All right, welcome back. Four weeks here for all of you to have made it all four weeks. Got a couple of new people this morning. Glad to have y'all. Um, so just to give everybody a reminder, remember this is a rolling class that we do throughout the year. So obviously you got two ways. One, you can obviously come back and reattend anyone you miss the next rotation. Um, and we also have them uh, available by CD by request. You have to talk to Mr. Chuck over here. See him waving. And um, and then also they are online as well as far as listening through um, each each time. So you can go go both routes. Um, what else? What else? Any questions before we get started from last week or just some general thing you want to talk about from your week? I'm joking. Please don't. Please don't. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so this will be week four on spiritual service, and then next week is what we consider week five. There's no curriculum base for that, uh, but Pastor Ben will come in, so we'll meet here again next Sunday as well, same time, and uh, he'll just share with you his heart, um, and then we'll we'll kind of give you a little more information on how we move forward from there with um, with membership and service. So you're not quite done. You still have to come back next week. You don't have to come back. We would hope that you would come back. There's no compulsion here. Uh, we hope that you just want to come back. Um, so this week we're going to start on spiritual service, and let's open up in prayer. Lord God, we do thank you, Father, for this day. God, I thank you for this group, God, of just faithful believers, God, for the desire, God, to be a part of your body, God, to be a part of your work. And I pray, Father, as we look into what it means to serve, God, in a spiritual aspect, Father, what it means that it's a, God, it's an evidence, God, of the work that you've done in us. God, I pray, Father, that you move on our hearts, God, that you show us ways in which you want to use us, God, for the exalting of your name, and God, for the advancement of your gospel. God, in Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. All right, spiritual service. Everybody's got a book? Everybody's got a pen? Everybody's ready? All right. You may have heard people speak of serving. What does that mean to you? Because as Christians, we're called to serve. So give me some ideas. What does it mean to serve? Anybody? Visiting sick. Helping needy. Praying for others. Yeah, I mean, the list could go on and on. Uh, but the idea is obviously is, is servanthood and that we do something out on our own for someone else that they are unable to do um, or, you know, out of the, the goodness, and ultimately we know as believers because of what Christ has done in our hearts. Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And that's, a, that's an important verse there because notice it says, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh because we do gain freedom in Christ, Right? But what can be the tendency when we have freedom? Parallel it to where we are as a, as a nation right now. What has freedom done for us in some scenarios, in some situations? Just as our, in culture, think about it. It's given us opportunity for the flesh, right? We've become an entitled society and we deserve certain things and we've victimized in everything that we do. So freedom has that tendency for us to lay down our guard and obviously begin to think we are owed it, Right? We aren't owed it. Remember, we went back, going back to what is the gospel? What, what are we owed as humanity? Death. That's what we deserve, right? But because of who Christ is, 
that's not. So, there, so that freedom is in, in, in connection to the grace that God has imparted to us in our lives. So it says, don't use it as an opportunity for the flesh, but it says do what? But through love, serve one another. That's what we've been called to do. Serving is not just about something that we do. Serving is more about who we are. There should be a pattern of behavior as a believer that begins to develop. What did we talk about last week? What was our title? Who remembers? Sanctification, right? So sanctification is, is the process by which we, we become more like Christ until the moment that we go to see him, correct? So that pattern of behavior is what has the process that happens because of the sanctifying work in our hearts. Remember, we're being set apart, and we're being set apart for the things of Christ. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, and that word workmanship there is an allusion to a masterpiece, uh, to something that, so something that has been handled and taken care of very well, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So why do we do good works? Do we do good works to gain salvation, or do we do good works because of salvation? Because of, right? So this is, if you notice, the flow of how we've gone through this whole series is we start off with understanding who God is and what he's done in our life, and then we begin to look at as, as he does his sanctifying work in our heart, then this is what takes place because it's through this that Christ is exalted and his gospel is advanced. That's, that's the flow that we're working through here. So why do we serve? We serve because Jesus did, and he was our great example. I'm going to read this lengthy verse here, John 13, and for those of you that were at a Wednesday night service a couple weeks ago, this was the section of Scripture we went through on John 13. And you'll also notice if you were there, a lot of the things that I said there and a lot of things that are said here and vice versa because of the connection through John 13. And this is when Jesus is washing the feet of his disciples. So I'm going to read it, so hang in there with me for a second because there's a lot of things we need to look at here. But it says, Now before the Feast of Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And that end there is the perfection of his death, burial, and resurrection. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and head. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. And that was why he said, not all of you are clean. And when he had washed their feet and put on their outer garments, he resumed his place. And he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so, am, so, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, and you also to wash another's feet, for I have given you an example that you should also do as I have done for you. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Right, so that's a big, big section there, right? And as we're looking there, you've got it, you should have had it bolded out in verse 15. It says, I have given you an example that I should, you should also do what I have done for you. And he's, he's obviously shown us this picture of servanthood in the washing of feet. So in that, in that day and in that time, washing of feet was a pretty necessary thing to take place. Um, it's a necessary thing for us today as well, but you kind of do it all one and the same when you bathe. But in that day, the feet were something that got exceptionally dirty in comparison to the rest of their body because why? They didn't have, one, they didn't have shoes like we have, and two, their conditions that they walked in were considerably different than ours. The emissions of their transportation were slightly different than the emissions of our current transportation, right? And they had to walk in it. Dirt roads, so forth. So this was a common practice in, in Jewish culture. And in most homes would have had a basin at the door. And essentially, you would, this was a common thing you would do before you walked into any house. Um, you, you would get your feet washed. And it was done by the lowliest of servants in that time of the household. It wasn't just, hey, you know, brother or sister, come over here and wash my feet. It would, have been a, it would have been a lowly servant that would have taken care of that. So picture that now that Jesus is now doing that for his disciples. And that's why Peter's first response is the way in which it is. But, of course, Peter, in his typical fashion, he mentioned that he comes back all excited, that he says, no, I want my whole body washed. And, of course, then Jesus tells him, no, if you've already been washed and it's not necessary, that, you, that all the thing that needs to be done is your feet. And the picture there for us is that once you receive Christ, that's, that's, your, that's your washing that takes place. And we are in Christ, and he has done a work in your heart, and that takes place. And then the washing of the feet speaks to sanctification, that our flesh has not yet been fully redeemed. So there's this idea that he still washes their feet. One, he's showing them servanthood, but two, he's giving them probably even a greater picture of the work that he's continually doing in our lives, that we continually need to go to Christ, and he continually needs to be working on our unredeemed flesh. So he's given us this picture here, but he says as an example, this is what I've shown you, that you serve one another. Jesus displays humility, going to your next set of blanks there, and servanthood by doing this. And this is what he asks of us. And I want us to look here at Mark 10:45. It says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to, and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to serve, not to be served. So that brings us to our first point. A servant's heart sees a need and meets that need. A servant's heart sees a need and meets that need. Jesus saw the disciples' feet were dirty and needed to be washed. He saw an opportunity. Obviously, he's teaching, you know, as with Jesus always, that he's teaching something in addition to it. But he saw that there was a need that needed to take place. So I say, ask God to show you what areas you can serve. If your eyes are open, you will see many things. So there's just a list there. Obviously, it doesn't have anything in the blanks. It says, what are some needs that you see around our church? So just on a base, just throw some things out there to me that you guys see that or areas that, you know, help is needed, where service is needed. Maintenance. Maintenance. Yep. What else? Outreach. Outreach. Missions. Missions. Outreach. Yep. Parking lot. Yep. Parking lot. I mean, the idea is there's just... 
I mean, it's endless. It's just like your, it's like your own home. I mean, you could walk around and give a list of things that always need to be done. I got home yesterday from doing some things with the kids, and my wife had a list for me of things that need to be done, right? Because there's just always something that needs to be done. Uh, so the idea is, as, as a servant, we need to put our posture ourselves, because of what Christ has done in us, to just to be able to see needs that are going on around us and not to always make the assumption that somebody else is doing it, right? Because if everybody has that, that idea, then what happens? Not much, right? If you always assume, even in your own house, in your workplace, that somebody else is going to do it, guess what? It doesn't happen. It takes, we are the hands and feet of Christ here walking out on earth. The idea is we have to be able to put ourselves in a place to do so. But we have a choice to make when there is a need. We have a choice to make. Do we, do we look at how we can help that problem and how we can meet that need? Or do we have that assumption that someone else is going to take care of it? I use this example all the time because I think it's perfect. But years ago, for those of you who know Pastor Renata was here, he had someone come up to him after church and said, Hey, Pastor Renata, there's a, I, I noticed a problem today. You know, of course, you never know really what, what this problem was going to be. And they just made mention that they saw a piece of trash outside the church along the sidewalk and asked him, you know, if he could get somebody to take care of that, to pick it up. Now, you sit here and say, there's no way somebody did that. You know, no, people, people, somebody did do that. But the idea is just something that has a simple piece of trash on the ground. Somebody's got to pick it up, Right. I mean, somebody's got to do it. Yeah, you're right. There may be people, like you, you mentioned maintenance. Obviously, there are people in place to do certain elements. But, you know, something just as simple as picking up a piece of trash. That's a, you see a need, and you do so. You know, it's just, it's, and it's not because you've been, you've been compelled to do so. It's because your heart has changed, and it's different because of what Christ has done in your heart. We can see the need and wait for someone else to meet the need, or... We can meet the need that God puts before us. You know, I, I look at it like this way. Your vision, your mission, right? If it's something that you see that God's calling you to, something that you know that you can be part of, then make it your mission to do so. Don't sit back waiting for your gifts to be used. See a need and meet that need. And pray that God would use it in your certain gifting. But in the meantime, do what needs to be done. Just have an idea of just, just being a servant. You know, because some of us, well, not some of us, every one of you here have a specific talent or skill set that has been given to you by God. I mean, that's just a fact. And obviously, as you develop and you, some, some of you may already be operating in the capacity that you feel God's called you, but, it, but that should never be an excuse for us not to do something. You know, I mean, I, you know, I can remember growing up, coming up through what we call at the time CIA, Christians in Action, was our college group. Um, and... You know, I, didn't, I can't say that I knew what God ultimately, well, I know I can, for a fact, I can't say that I knew what God had for me ultimately. But guess what? We were just, we as a group, we were faithful just doing whatever, whether it was setting up at the lighthouse, whether it was cleaning up, I mean, we, whether it was hanging, I mean, we were hanging sheetrock at the lighthouse when it was built. And I can assure you, we knew nothing about how to hang sheetrock, okay? And you probably could tell if you went there today. Um, but out of necessity, those were the things that just, those were things that just needed to be done, you know, and I think back on it now, there's so many stories that come from moments like that, you know, where you just, it's a rallying of God's people around just, just doing what it, the things of Christ. Not to say we accomplished something, but to say that because of what Christ has done in us, this is what I do, and ultimately his name is lifted high, and ultimately his gospel is advanced, because that's really all it's about. 
Point two, a servant's heart does not believe that it is above certain tasks. Yes. We did? Which one did we miss? It just flowed so well, Chuck. All right, I'll go back. We can see the need and wait for someone else to meet the need, or we can meet the need that God puts before us. Everybody got that? Thanks, Chuck. All right, point two, a servant's heart does not believe that it is above certain tasks. It is not above certain Jesus humbled himself and did something beneath him. The last part? Tell me what, see a need and meet the need. Yep. Second part. Need, right need twice. Jesus humbled himself and did something that was beneath him. Remember, we talked about the washing of the feet. At that time, it would have been someone in culture that would have been a, a lowly servant that would have done that. But he brings himself to that level to take care of because... Obviously, he was giving us an example, as Scripture tells us. But some areas of serving are hard, dirty, boring, and hidden. Sometimes serving is fun and fulfilling. But sometimes it's just hard work. Sometimes it's doing a job that no one else wants to do. That may be changing that dirty diaper in the nursery, standing in the hot sun parking cars, or riding the golf cart in the rain, just to name a few. I can remember a few years back, I think it was... Well, actually, it was both years. Some of you may have been here when we did um, when we unloaded all those pumpkins from Pumpkin Patch. Uh, the first year we did it, eighteen wheeler shows up here, and we were the last load on the truck to come out. So, guess what that means? That means all of your pumpkins all are fifty three feet to the front of that truck. And so, you know, as we were moving them, what we found out was that obviously more people had to start getting in the truck. Because as the pumpkins diminished, the line had to get longer for our, our rallying of pumpkins. And there was one gentleman that was in there. He was an older guy. He's probably in his probably in his sixties. And you know, he gets out of that thing, and I'm like, I'm as he's talking, I'm thinking, man, we almost killed this guy. You know, I mean, it's hot in there. I mean, it was dark. I mean, it was just, and it was, I don't know how many a thousand pumpkins or something like that that we had to get out of there. Um, but, you know, I just think about moments like that. You know, the last guy at the end that was picking up that pumpkin, nobody, nobody knows who that person is. Nobody sees it. They get the, you know, by the last guy, you know, 15, 20 people's handled this pumpkin. They've got it pretty clean by the time the last guy gets it, right? But the first, the first people are getting, it, getting the full brunt of it. And that's just one example. And, I mean, look, we had a great time. <coughs> Obviously, it was a, a great outreach for our community. But sometimes it's just, it's just not fun, right? Sometimes it's the jobs that we do are nasty. But those people that change diapers, God bless them, right? Even my own kids' diapers were nasty. You know, I'd prefer to not deal with other kids' ones. But there's people that have been called to do that, and God bless them. Um, but what do we do it for once again? And, I, and I'm going to keep reiterating it because it's, the, it's why we do it. We do it to exalt Christ. And we do it to obviously to show Christ so that ultimately people come to the saving knowledge of who God is. We're there working to show Christ. First Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to do what? Serve one another. As good stewards of God's very grace, we humble ourselves, put others before us when we serve, and we give grace to those who may not deserve it. 
Because remember, when you're in a serving capacity, remember we talked about that, our, the, the first scripture talked about our freedom giving way for our flesh, right? So when, <coughs> excuse me, when you're in those moments of serving, there will probably be people around you that are going to give way to that flesh and begin to feel like something that you're doing in that moment is owed to them, right? Anybody ever experienced that? Anybody ever been guilty of it, right? Everybody raise their hand for both of those, right? Because it's just, it's just a fact. But we put in ourselves in a place to look beyond that and to just, and to just serve. And we make a choice in those moments to not, be, to not be offended. We make a choice not to do something because, one, we, we should, as believers in Christ, understand the reality of our unredeemed flesh and that people are in a sanctifying process and we are at different areas of it and we don't give way for that freedom because we ultimately we champion one another in Christ and that ultimately they are they have been saved and they have been set apart by humbling yourself and serving others you're putting them before yourself you don't serve people because they deserve it write that one down because they deserve it it's one line for a phrase they deserve it but because you love like Jesus. Because what did Jesus do for us? He gave his life. Back in John 13, it says he gave his, his love to the, to the perfect end, is how the scripture reads. And that perfect, the, the perfection that he speaks of there is the fact that he sacrificed his life for us because we love like Jesus. Not long before Jesus washed the disciples' feet, the disciples were actually arguing amongst themselves about who was the greatest. If we go back to, uh, we're not going to read through it, back in Luke, prior to Jesus doing that, that's what they were doing. They were arguing among themselves who was the greatest disciple. So ultimately, they did not deserve the king of kings washing their feet, and Jesus was trying to teach them that in his kingdom, the first shall be last, and the greatest among you is the one who serves. I just think it's a pretty unique, you know, when you read it in John, you don't see it, but when you go back to the other Gospels, you see that that's actually what was going on. And then he jumps in with this washing of their feet. Also look in here, Matthew 25, 35 through 40 says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer him, Truly I say to you, as you did this to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So there's just that picture there that, that we just, when we walk out in service and we meet the needs of people around us, then we are doing exactly what Christ has called us to do, that we're visiting the sick and the imprisoned. And obviously there's, this is not an exhaustive list, but the idea is that we look for opportunity to serve. You know, what does Scripture tell us? That he came, did he come for the sick or did he come for the ones that were not sick? What does Scripture tell us? He came for the sick. That's why he came. That's, that's why each one of you can sit here today as a believer because Christ came for you because we were sick, right? The, the, what he did on the cross paid the price for all of it. It is the ultimate healing that we receive is when we're brought from death to life, when we receive salvation through Christ. 
Point three says, a servant's heart does not seek praise and adoration from others. Praise and adoration from others. Areas we need to be careful to not fall into while serving is just that. One, we do it simply to be seen by others. Or we serve for a pat on the back or the praise of men. Now, that does that mean that those things won't happen? Of course not. Obviously, I would encourage every one of you here to exhort one another in, in doing well, serving the people around you. But we don't, but on the flip side is we don't do those things for that. Yeah, they feel good. All of us love to be told we've done a great job, and we should be. We should exhort one another in, in righteousness and the things of God. But we don't do it for that reason. A servant does not need to post on social media every time he or she serves. We must understand that serving is not about us. I've got a couple examples. Hashtag serving. Hashtag making sure you're noticed. Hashtag look at me. And the idea is, yes, are, you, are we going to post things and are we going to celebrate things? Of course. That in itself is not where the problem is. The idea is if you are doing that simply to see how many likes or thumbs up you get or how many com- comments you get, you should, that should be a test on your heart of really why you're doing it. Okay, so the idea is we, we serve, and then we be served for what reason? So that Christ would be exalted, and that his gospel would be advanced. Not the gospel of myself or the gospel of men, but that we would out there be doing the work for him. Because it does, cause all it does is it shifts the focus off of him. If we're not careful, we shift the focus onto the things of man, and the things of man don't have any saving power at all. And when we shift there, we begin to set that person in a trajectory um, outside of what, of what Christ is. So we don't want to go down that road. Matthew 6, 1 says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before others, people, in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. Be, be aware of practicing your righteousness. And he's speaking to believers here because in, in 1 John chapter 3, he talks, and it's many areas, but he talks about practicing righteousness versus a practice of sinning. So as believers, we are practicing righteousness. That means we're, we're beginning to make a habit of righteousness in our life. We're doing the things of Christ each and every day, and we're working towards those things. So that's why it says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. What? In order to be seen by them. So it's not saying that we don't do those things. It's not saying that they're not going to take place, but make sure you're not doing it in order that they would be seen by them. You are serving for an audience of one. And who is that one? Jesus. That's right. He is our Savior. He is the one that we're serving. Part 4 says, A servant's heart understands that we are all part of the body of Christ. A servant's heart understands that we are all part of the body of Christ. We don't just attend church, right? We are the church. And what is church in the Greek is what? The ecclesia which is the called out ones. As believers, we are called out. We are chosen. Remember the beginning of the study for Ephesians, that we were adopted. Christ speaks of who we were in him because of what he's done in our lives. We are the church. All its members are important and necessary. There are no unimportant jobs and all matter. And we're going to look at some scripture here, starting with 1 Corinthians 12. It's a little lengthy as well, but it says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, 
I do not belong to the body, that would make it any less or less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, would, would be our sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be our sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. And if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head of the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unrepresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Which are more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care of one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together, and if one member is honored, all rejoice together. Church is not about you. It's not about your needs being met. It's about dying to self and putting the whole body's needs above your own for the maturing of your body. So obviously he gives us this picture here as he's speaking to the Corinthian church that uh, the idea is you don't, all parts are needed. You know, the eye can't say I don't need the ear and vice versa. You know, and then, there's, and then there's parts of your body, obviously, that don't get exposure, as it says there. Think about, I mean, think about your lungs. Do you wake up each morning and thank God for your lungs or think about your lungs? No, they just do what they do. Day after day, year after year, until God says that it's time for them to shut it down, right? That's how it works. And it's the same thing in the body of Christ. Every person has a, an intricate and an important job. None is, none is greater or lesser than the other. They are all necessary. And that's the picture there, and it brings us back to servanthood is, you know, you may not, you may not be the part of the body that's seen, Right? But the reality is it's still necessary. It still has to operate. And this idea that we work together, it's one thing we've been talking about a lot with my family, and I've got a handful of my kids here this morning, and we've been talking about that we, we win as a family and we lose as a family. Because if one of us suffers, if one of us makes a mistake, it should affect all of us. If one of us champions one another, if, if one of us does well, then we, we all celebrate that together because why it promotes it promotes unity, and it's no different for the body of Christ. You know, when we have a fellow brother or sister that's in pain or is in hurting, yeah, maybe you don't, you're not directly connected to it, but our hearts should be connected in a fashion that we desire for Christ to work in their life, and we desire to help them through that moment. And, to, and that's why it's so important for us that we do life groups in our church. How many of you here are part of a life group at this point? Right? You know, and it, the idea is it's, it's a small group of believers, and this is something we'll talk about more with you for those of you that aren't. But the idea is we meet on a regular basis, and you, you share life together. That's the idea behind the, the title of the group. And we, and we study Scripture, and we champion each other in Christ. And whenever somebody needs help because they are sick, you know, that's an opportunity. When somebody needs their house moved, when somebody needs a, a tree moved out of their yard, when someone's stuck on the side of the road, you know, they have somebody to call to help them. The idea is we do life together, and we serve one another, and we do it for what reason? So the name of Christ would be exalted, and so that his gospel would be advanced. So it just gives us more opportunity for that. Here you go. I, I kind of jumped ahead a little bit. But think of your lungs. No one notices them, and you probably don't wake up every morning thanking God for them. They do a job, and your body functions. Are they seen? Do they get compliments about your lungs? But let those lungs stop working, and then what? They are essential for the body to function. The rest of your body needs the lungs to do what it's supposed to do. 
There are so many ways to get involved and so many things that need to be get done. As we were riding on our boat yesterday, we passed by this, um, this dead alligator that was, on, you know, was belly up. And I can't remember, one of, one of my kids said, um, how did the alligator die? I said, well, his heart stopped beating. <laughs> you know? I don't really know what happened to it, but ultimately that's what took place. You know, it's, and, and that's how the body works until that moment happens. The heart just stops beating, and then we go to be with Christ. But until then, every part is integral to one another and is needed to allow things to take place. So going through here, there's a few um, things we can look at. But remember, the idea is that everyone is to get involved. There's no alternates in church, right? There's no alternates in the kingdom. You know, for those of you who have played on teams or been parts of things in the past, sometimes you make first alternate or second alternate. And basically, if somebody can't make it or get sick, then you get plugged in. Well, it's not like that in the body of Christ. There are no alternates. Everybody has a place. Everybody has, has a place to belong in, in, in this process. So here's just a few things of, in the church that we have. Hospitality team. Those are the people that you see every morning that are greeting people when they come in and handing out bulletins, driving the golf carts around. Our parking team. Um, this is one that's being developed more and more, but mostly you see them getting cars out of here, you know. Speaking of, that's a great time for you to um, express the work that Christ has done in your life as you're sitting in your car and the line's not moving, right? <laughs> right? We've all been there. You know, you're ready to go. Uh, you're trying to hurry up and get out of here. But the idea is just use that as a moment, obviously, to, one, either spend more time visiting. Uh, I guess we end up with the same problem if everybody hangs around uh, you end up with the same problem. But the idea is, you know, use those as opportunities, you know, if, if you want to be a worker to help out um, and so forth. First impressions. I'm sorry, that's the, that is the greeters and golf carts. I had it a little bit backwards. Uh, nursery workers, children's church, the ushers, coffee shop, media team. And that's just talking about what takes place on a, on a Sunday morning. I mean, obviously, we have far more. Y'all mentioned outreach and missions, you know, that we do things that come up periodically. We have, you know, men's ministry, we have women's ministry, we have life groups. Um, all of these things that are a part of what we do here at Living Word are constant. You know, yes, you all have jobs and you all have things you have to do, but the idea is, and, and, I'm not, and we're not looking for you to serve unto exhaustion and neglecting your family, because that's the flip side of it. You can swing the pendulum too far the other way as well, and you forget about your responsibilities that you have for your first ministry, for those of you that are married, your wife and your children. You can't neglect that either. But the idea is we just, there's a balance of that in your life, and we're just always looking for opportunity to serve when it's right for us, when God's called us, called us to it. Romans 12, 4, similar to 1 Corinthians 12, says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ." And individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If it's prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, and the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And Colossians 3.23 says, For whatever you do, work heartedly as for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So just keep circling back over and over again to this idea that we serve 
because of what Christ has done in us. I mean, the, the timing's actually pretty good for us as we've, as we're not wrapped up, but we're working through the series of, well, we did finish the series through Ephesians of in Christ, because who we are in Christ is why we do what we do as a church. And as we actually get into the study here, when we get into chapter four, and then we go to chapter five and chapter six, what Paul begins to do there is put practical application to the things of our life. He's going to speak about wives and husbands and children's and bond servants or workers. He's going to begin to speak about this thing, this, uh, these different areas of our life that we each have influence. And the, and the reason why he flows through the way he did it is because first he shows us who we are in Christ. And now that we know who we are in Christ and what he's done in us, then this is how we begin to walk it out in our lives. And the same thing goes for us here in spiritual service. And the thing is, this is not something that, it's not something you do one time. You know, remember um, Ben spoke about, I can't remember what service it was, just doing the ordinary things of life, right? I mean, the ordinary things. We wake up, we cook breakfast, we, go to, we get to school, we get to work. Those are the ordinary things that we do each and every day. And if we do them because of what Christ has done in us, then they become what? Extraordinary because of what Christ has done. We do the ordinary. He does the extraordinary because of who he is in us. And that's the same picture for us. And that's, and that's all we're looking to do as a body of Christ because we want his name lifted high and we want his gospel advanced because it's the only thing that changes lives and hearts of the people around us. So give me some ideas, some questions. Yeah. Based on service, study here, coming Christ did these, what the world would look as a lowly thing. Mm-hmm. He became the lowly to serve the lowly. Just as he came out of glory, down on the cross. Mm-hmm. It all tracks back to the cross. Yep. It's a symbolization of what happened on the cross. Yep, that's exactly right. No, I mean, the finished work of the cross, I mean, Paul says it was his Christ and him crucified. And that's what scripture tells us. That's, that was his perspective on it. And that's exactly right. I mean, everything eludes back to Christ. Remember, we talked about from, from Genesis, Revelation is about Christ. Now, you got to go in there and, and find it in a certain situation. Some places it's very obvious. But yeah, that's, that's fully to bring glory to him as a son. What else? Could be a practical question. Could be an ordinary question. Recap, who remembers what week one was about? What was the title? What is the gospel? That's right. What were the four components of the, of the gospel? God is creator, and he's holy, right? What is man? Sinful, right? Next part, talked about what Jesus was the answer, right, for our, human, for our sinful humanity. And then the fourth part was our response. We respond to that. That's, that's the core of the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Then we talked about Paul in Romans 1, 15 says, he says, I'm eager to preach the gospel, was the first thing he said. So he's eager to bring glad tidings and to speak the reality of what Christ did. But then in verse 16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. So he speaks there, gospel in a slightly different thing. He speaks about the work that 
Christ did in his heart personally. And because of what Christ did in his heart, then he goes out to advance the gospel. Right? Week two. Pastor Freddie did a great job on power of God's word. That's right. That it is the, it is the way in which um, our, our lives are changed. It is the very breathed out word of God that all scripture, as it says in 1 Timothy 3.16, is good for us, right? Week three, which was last week, sanctification, sanctification, the process by which all of this takes place in us from the moment that we are justified to the moment that we're glorified, sanctification's in the middle. And then, of course, here we are in week four. Anybody remember what week four was about? <laughs> Put it up on the screen, Chuck, now. Uh, spiritual service, that's right. And that's, just, and, that's, and that's the flow that we've gone through through this whole process. Um, next week, with Pastor Ben, he'll come up, and obviously he'll share his heart. Um, he'll allude to a lot of things we talked about here. Um, and then he's going to speak to you about this idea of membership. And that, you know, membership is a, is a commitment by us on our part to, to serve the church uh, because we are the church. And that we just we get involved just like we talked about in Corinthians and Romans, that we work together in one accord and we make this decision, obviously, to just to serve one another. And then you get to do this the rest of your life, right? The ordinary mundane things of servanthood for the rest of your life because you know that Christ is going to do something amazing through it, and that he's going to be exalted because of it. So what else? I know there's some more questions out there. Always just take somebody to say something. You don't have too much time. I won't make you, I won't make you sit here for the next 20 minutes and smile. When, that, when teachers used to do that to me in school, I used to be like, I can hold out. I can be tough. All right, any, um, everybody, has make sure you check the list before you leave. Make sure you've checked off every week that you've, you've been here. Make sure you're accurate. Some of your names are in there multiple times, so we can, we'll decipher through that if, uh, if you have. Uh, the books are for you to keep. Meet back here, obviously, next week, same time. Um, whatever's left over of the coffee and donuts, you're welcome to. And um, if anybody has any questions, I'm going to close in prayer. All good? All right. Lord Jesus, we do thank you, Father, for this morning. God, I thank you for this group, God, once again, for their faithfulness, God, their commitment, God, to you, God, for the amazing work, God, that you've done in our lives, God. It is because of what you've done in our life, God, is why we do what we do, God, is why we serve, God, is why we look for opportunity, God, to bring glory to your name, God, in every aspect, God, for the areas that are seen, God, for the areas that are unseen, God, we do one thing. God, is that we, God, we serve you, Father, and we serve the people around us. God, give us strength. God, let us be of courage, God, because it's not always the easy thing to do. It's easy to sit here in this room and to talk about it and to, and to obviously just speak to its simplicity at a certain level. But, God, we know, God, that it's, it's something, God, that you put on our heart. And it's something that we, will, we work towards, God, and that we, God, we labor and we toil for the gospel. And God, I pray, God, that you just meet each person in their need, God, that you plug them into the place, Father, God, that you desire, God, each according, God, to their giftings and their talents, God, and I thank you for the opportunity to be able to serve alongside each one of these people, God, in the name of Jesus, Father, thank you for this morning, amen. All right, you're dismissed.